Hello, I'm Joshua Vickery and welcome to From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. On this show, we are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? And how can Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we'll introduce you to guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference from the heart. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome to From the Heart. So excited that you've joined us. And I think that's probably the first time I have ever done that introduction on my own. Boy, I sure do miss Mary. She's over in Sarasota visiting her parents today. But we have Cole, the hello. man. Hello, hello. Cole, the man. Cole, in today. The man. Cole, I should have let you help me with that intro. It would have been way mm. better if you would have helped me with my it. My new radio name, Cole, the man. Cole, the man. <laughs> my name is Cole Neesmith, <laughs> and I'm sitting in today for a Mary Thompson Hunt. What yes, an honor. Yes, you are. And Cole, you just had a big week. Tell us about it. We did. Last weekend, October 18th and 19th, was Immerse 2019. We had a... More than a thousand artists in the streets and public spaces of the city, including the CFC Arts Big Band. Yes, we did. Yeah. And uh, I saw people dancing all over the place with the uh, big band. It was an, a wonderful evening, uh, all or two wonderful evenings all around. Uh, and so I'm really grateful to be here with you today to get to talk about the CFC Arts Big Band and all of the other programming at CFC Arts. Yeah, today I'm glad is a special day. It is a special day. This is the first time we've ever talked about the work of CFC Arts on the radio show and even in the TV show that we had before that. But we had you on as a guest yes. just a few weeks ago to talk about all the things that you were excited about in Merce. Is there anything that like happened? I'm sure you have so many stories, but is there anything that happened that you're like, whoa, that blew me away? Well, much to the surprise of uh, all of the people who say I'm emotionless, Joshua. <laughs> that was a joke, you. Cole. It's fine. <laughs> uh, it was quite an emotional weekend. You know, the weather had us uh, raining all weekend with a tropical yeah. storm, like hanging out in the Gulf. And uh, all but about 15 minutes of our entire two days was unaffected by negative weather. And that was really a really great blessing. So Cole, Friday, you must be I was doing crying. something right in your life. I don't know what it <laughs> crying is. Crying a but- lot. Yeah, taking up all the water. It's interesting though. when I looked at the radar, I was watching the radar and Mm -hmm. it was like there were moments where there was like these crazy rainstorms and things literally in a bubble around Around Orlando. Orlando, Yeah. I know you watched that. Yeah, in real time for sure. It was weird. It was awesome. (laughs) I was really grateful. So we had a ton of people downtown and it was, you know, it, it exceeded our expectations to be honest with you. And uh, it was really wonderful to see thousands of people out on Cinef Plaza, the Dr. Phillips Center. Um, watching Diavolo, this performance organization from L.A. and the Orlando Ballet. And people have really loved walking through this year our immersive photo experience, the worlds of Corksicle, and our friends that we brought over from the U.K., the architects of Air Giant Inflatable Installation. I could talk about it all day long, uh, but, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm very, very grateful. But you're excited and, and pleased with how it all went. Absolutely. That's awesome. Matt Palm is our one of our guests today. Matt, it's such an honor to have you on a show about CFC Arts. You've been on the show several times before about different conversations. Uh, he is the arts critic for the Orlando Sentinel. Did I say that arts critic? Sure, I'm not. Yes, arts writer and critic. Arts yes, writer I'm, and I'm critic. Both. You're both. Yeah, <laughs> I preview you and do review. it all. You do it all, don't you, Matt? Well, it feels like that some weeks, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you a little tidbit of information. Matt and I were sending messages back about midnight last night because you were writing stories that needed to hit the press this morning at like 2 a.m., right? I uh, that. that the news does not stop. Is that the life the of a, an arts writer? It is in this town because oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's too much going on, and a lot of it is thanks to Central Florida Community Arts. Uh, well, that's a good. <laughs> I'm excited. We had two two articles today in in the paper, thanks to you. So, did you get to go to Immerse? 
oh, you're putting me on the spot now. I wrote a lot about Immerse. <laughs> and I was really a big fan it. and supporter yeah, of Immerse. Yeah, but you had to go see 10 other I was, things that it weekend. It was a huge theater weekend. Yeah. I was in shows all weekend, and yeah. I did not actually make it. Although I've walked by uh, the Dr. Phillips <laughs> Center lawn and seen the installations and said, sadly, oh, I never got a chance to go in. Yeah, but you know what, Matt and Cole, isn't that awesome that there's so much happening in our community? Even in the weekend that there's this huge festival mm-hmm. We also have all this great theater and dance and, mm-hmm. and music and things that are happening on top of it. I think it's a good problem to have. For yeah, sure. It's great. And, you know, and the community is responding. This will this will cheer Cole up, even though I wasn't there in person. I have had multiple emails and my own colleagues, actually, at the Sentinel who have written or told me, wow, this was our first year of going to that Immersi wrote about, and it was amazing, and you could have written more about it. And I said, well, yeah, I could keep writing about it for days. There's more than a thousand artists, you know, who are participating in it. <laughs> But uh, uh, Cole, you could be proud because a lot of people told me how much they really, really enjoyed it. Love that. Thank wow, you. Wow, that's awesome. Thanks. Cole, you can pay Matt later. Okay. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the so highest Matt, of ethical standards. <laughs> so Matt, you know, you actually helped us as an organization really change the way that we think about talking to the media when you when you shared with us about pitching stories to you that have unique that have a unique. Uh, story to it, you know, not just promoting another show or promoting a class or an event and that, Hey, this is happening, but how is what's happening with that show or what's happening with that event, a real story that you can tell that everybody could listen to. And we've been trying to think about that differently. And I think maybe that's why you've been writing about us more because <laughs> we're actually giving you stories to tell. Well, but- it's, it's interesting. I mean, the, the media landscape has changed so much that uh, the general public has many ways to find out about things that are happening. They find out about shows. They know who's starring in a show. They know when the concerts are coming up. You know, social media is a big part of that. Everyone shares things mm-hmm. on Facebook. Information is just out there. So we've really, at the Sentinel, taken an approach of we need to find things that people don't know. I mean, that's the definition of news. It's news to you. It means right. you're learning something you didn't know before. So we are making a, an effort to dig deeper, look behind the scenes of productions, tell you things about events, not just that the event is happening, but tell you things about how, why it's happening, mm-hmm. things you did not know that might be of, of interest and make you want to go. Yeah, that's awesome. Cole, you, you are an executive director, an artistic director, and all of those fun things now, but you've been a performer your whole life. Mm-hmm. That's really where you started, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you get this idea of what the article today was about, of understudies and having to go on in the moment and learn things quickly. Tell us about what you wrote today. Well, <laughs> it's been quite a week in the, in the Orlando theater scene because two major productions uh, lost some key cast members mm. for uh, illness or accident and had to find last-minute replacements. And as we know in this town, uh, the arts, they run as lean as possible. It is not a town where the arts community mm-hmm. is overflowing with riches. And one of the ways to save money is not to pay full-time understudies or you know have people on, on call for that. So when there is a problem, you have to figure out a, a solution on the fly. Yeah. And, uh, one of them, as you know, is the FC Arts, their production of Sweeney Todd, where their leading lady uh, fell and broke her arm. And then the show Death Trap at the Garden Theater had an actor who was ill for the weekend and also had to find someone to replace him. That's so interesting. Do you find that to be to happen often or is that really rare in the theater community? Or Well, it was interesting because for the story, I talked to lots of different people from different theaters and they all started out by saying, well, it so rarely happens that, you know, that's why we kind of don't worry as much about it. And then they all started counting all the times that it happened. Right. <laughs> well, you know, we had to do this this time and that person had to be called and we actually had to cancel the show once. And, yeah. you know, and, and I think it sort of dawned on some of the people I was talking to, hmm, this does happen a little more than we think it does. Yeah, yeah you had a story earlier in the year at the uh, was it the Athens Theater as well for 
the producers. Yes, yes absolutely. So, yeah. Where one of their leading people had, had a similar situation and they had to find someone to step in. <laughs> makes for good stories. Well, it makes for <laughs> interesting stories because I think a lot of people, myself included, as I am not an actor, uh, you know, are already a little amazed by the fact that people can learn these lines, remember these songs, uh, put their emotion into it, create characters, you know, and do this. And you know, we're amazed when the people have weeks and weeks to rehearse it. When they're just going in after a day or a few hours in a, with a Sweeney Todd case, it's even more amazing. Literally a few hours, and we're going to meet Donald Roop, the director of theater for Steve Starts in a minute. But it was literally hours. And Kelly Morrow, a huge shout out to you for stepping in uh, for the fabulous Sarah Catherine Barnes, and we're sending you lots of love and well wishes. But it was like Calder at work at Universal, you know. It, in the daytime and at four o'clock there was a rehearsal and at seven thirty the show went on. And she did and, a performance in between then. And she did a performance yes. at a <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Donna was telling me that's amazing. And that the show was flawless, like didn't drop a line. And I think I think that also says a lot about the heart of our community here mm-hmm. in our theater here is that people are willing to do whatever they can to make sure the show goes on. And Kelly was a great example of that, but I'm sure if it wasn't Kelly, somebody else would have tried to step up and make it happen. And also kudos to the rest of the cast. You know, it's hard for that person stepping in, but it's also hard for the entire cast. Who's now learning how to, especially in a show like Sweeney Todd that has Mm -hmm. a lot of moving parts, a lot of moving parts. And there's a lot of depth to that show that you're being able to interact, you know, emotionally and all of those things in, in different ways with a new person and, in a role like Mrs. Lovett, which is which is huge. So kudos to any cast that has to take on an understudy at the last <laughs> minute. So you're also doing a show, uh, an article in CFC Arts about our big holiday show. And so it's you, this was your idea. You're taking like a fun twist to telling the story of our, our holiday show. What what are you working on? Yes, it's interesting because it's fun for me. It's tons of work for everybody else. But uh, <laughs> I just got to duck in and out. So, uh, and of course, uh, I'm, you're put, I'm putting words in your mouth now about, about the holiday show, but I think most people, most listeners who are interested in the arts would know that CFC Arts does a huge holiday show every year. Uh, it's up at Northland, mm-hmm. and it involves a huge choir, a giant orchestra, dancers, uh, video work, I mean, all kinds of lighting Fairless. effects. <laughs> and, right. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal. And it occurred to me that some people might not appreciate or even understand how much effort actually has to go into doing a show, which in a sense is very fleeting. It only, it runs three performances. Yeah. Year, three well, three, nights. this is the first year we've right. done. You've Usually up, it's you've two. Up to three. But, Before yeah. it's been two. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking literally months of work for a show that only gets two or this year, three, mm-hmm. three performances. So I thought, wouldn't it be fun just to sort of check in on the progress, try to get in at the beginning, see what, what's going on and then see how the show develops. So, uh, we started and it was what ninety eight degrees outside or yeah, something. Today. In August, in people August. are you know <laughs> playing Christmas carols and Christmas music, and uh-huh. we're all sweating as we uh, traipse into the meeting room. But uh, you know that's really when it starts, as you know, in August, and just watching how it develops. I mean, so far, what have we done? We've the choir season has uh-huh. started, so the singers are learning their parts. Uh, the they're actually already had auditions and some and callbacks. callbacks. You came to, to the callbacks to and saw how that worked. Figure out who's going to be the soloists and get uh-huh. that organized. But there's still a lot to do. The orchestra hasn't started yet. No, and neither has the dance. The and dance the rehearsals dance start right this week. Just about to start. Yeah, yeah. So there's still those pieces that have to come together. And there's big plans to you know make uh, videos about Christmas memories that mm-hmm. have to be put into action. 
And so I'm just going to be checking in here throughout the, the fall and seeing how it comes together and then uh, writing about it right before the show. It's so cool because, I, you know, so many of our volunteers, everybody's a volunteer that's in these shows and they put so many hours into it. And then their friends and family and loved ones come and see just that two hour on stage and they have no idea what really has gone into that. And I think you're going to really be able to shed some light on. It's not just the volunteers are volunteering their time to perform on stage. They're volunteering months of prep mm-hmm. work to right. get ready for it. And we're talking hundreds of people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there'll be over 400 add, people on stage. Right. All the, the performers and the volunteers who are helping behind the scenes and, and even just the staff who's working, you know, behind the scenes to make it happen. I mean, this is hundreds of people working for months to put on this show. And so Matt sat in on our creative and production meeting and it was like, how do we continue a creative and production meeting with the arts writer and critics sitting in? Do we just do like we would normally do? And I think we I did think a- they did. It didn't seem very filtered to me. I, <laughs> thought, I think we did okay. So obviously you're looking for things that would be interesting to readers and you're stumbling upon things that are interesting to yourself to you as well. What are some of the things that you've already discovered that you think are going to be interesting for people if you could give us a little little, a little taste about what we might <laughs> end up seeing in the story. Um, well, I don't want to give away the whole story. Of course. But even the planning meeting, everyone's like, how can you write about a planning meeting and make it interesting? Uh, the discussions about the concepts, the thought that goes in, I think people would think, oh, it's, you know, it's a holiday show. They're going to sing Jingle mm-hmm. Bells and what's there really to discuss? But there are like different angles, different approaches, different emotions you can evoke with that. Mm-hmm. That was fascinating at first. And then I will also say uh, the, or- the choir organization has a real uh, family atmosphere, or a real friendly spirit. And watching the callbacks for the soloists was really interesting because I think people might think, well, isn't it kind of like all nerve wracking and tense mm-hmm. and people are sweating bullets and and it was uh, very friendly and collegial and and everyone seemed to be actually enjoying it, not really, you know, panicking about it, which mm, I thought was interesting. And Matt, too. you sat in on in the production creative meeting. You actually we didn't plan it, but we had a whole conversation about inclusivity and how do we make a holiday show for everyone in the community. Right. And you were you you kind of helped us. You put your you put oh, some some uh, nice. some good thoughts in there and helped us kind of think through that a little bit. So you're a fly in the wall, but you're also helping us, Matt. We appreciate okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting you're, you're you're a fly on the wall, but you're helpful. Well, we appreciate you doing the story. It's going to be super exciting. So check out the Orlando Sentinel, all the stuff that that Matt Palm writes and and helps us to kind of shed light on all the different things that are happening in our community. Check out his columns and his articles. And Matt, we appreciate you very much. Well, thank you. I appreciate all that you do for the community. Thanks for coming on the show, and we'll be right back here on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Welcome back. Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Cole Neesmith sitting in for Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery. And today we are talking to members of Central Florida Community Arts staff, of which Josh is the executive director. Mm -hmm. So I'm honored to be here with you and your team. This segment, we're focusing on one of the premier employees. (laughs) Of Central Florida Community Arts. Mr. Donald Roop. Hello, Donald. Hi, how are you? 
Oh, I'm doing so great. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> this sounds so authentic right now. <laughs> Donald and I uh, are great friends, and uh, he has directed me as an actor before. Okay, how did you guys meet? Was it through Crucible? Was that? Did you know yeah. each other before no, Crucible? I, I don't think Actually, so. I think we met through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Sarah Barnes. Mm. Oh, great, Sarah Catherine great Barnes. Great goal. Yeah. Way to forget. No, I, I remember we, I was in a show with Sarah. Yeah. Catherine Barnes. Yes. <laughs> She's a three name actor. Uh -huh, right. Yeah. And uh, the rest is history. Yeah. And so, then shortly thereafter, you were in our production of The Crystal Ball, yeah. which is really, truly one of my favorite things you've ever done in the theater, Donald. Me too. How it was you really like amazing. the fog effects of that show? I loved it. I thought the whole thing was amazing. Yeah. I'm sure there's a story behind that. Well, I'm a fog expert. Oh, <laughs> Donald has contracted me as a fog expert before. Cole is a fog enthusiast. Yes. <laughs> he insists upon using it in as any production. At any show. So how would you put, uh, is there fog in Sweeney Todd? There is, oh, actually, there, there is a ton of fog. Yeah, it's London. Hello. It's, ha it's haze, which, uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, only a fog enthusiast knows the difference. But <laughs> I know. I know the difference. <laughs> the haze makes you not cough, right? Because it's like just water based. Yeah, no, they all no, no. It's the it's the way that it permeates the air. So haze, you don't ever see really a plume. It's just a mist through the consistent mist through the air. A fog would be an effect where you actually see a plume. However, I would say that in a show like Sweeney Todd, we could have implemented fog really well. And and haze, I think. Yeah, both. you could do do right. both, and it helps accentuate the lighting. But little known fact, I think nowadays all fog and haze is water based. Yes. And those oh. people who. So when people cough and say that it's oh, bothering they're them, they're totally making it up. Yeah, they yeah. are totally. Us fog they enthusiasts get really like, angry. I should be coughing. <laughs> Donald and I have definitely rolled our eyes at each other before by some coughing patron. Is yeah. a fog enthusiast like a thing or you just made that up? Like, I, think, I mean, I definitely am one. I think there is a club of two. <laughs> if there was it, there is now. <laughs> Well, Donald, we're so great, grateful that you're here today. Let's move on from the fog conversation, although I'm sure the listeners have found it rousing so far. I mean, um, what better thing to do on a Sunday night than listen about fog? Yeah. So you <laughs> produce an entire season of programming at the CFC Arts Black Box Theater. Um, talk to us about kind of the broad vision and mission of what it is that you all are putting together each season. Well, we are... We... The, the grand we, I <laughs> am uh, very proud of what we've done in a little space that was never meant to be a theater, but we've um, crammed it in there. Um, to begin with, uh, you know, it really started uh, as a way for me to kind of express my, my artistic viewpoint. And over the years, it's um, evolved, even leaned heavier into just creating a community for artists and also for patrons to gather and enjoy a variety of productions. I try my best to program um, as different as I can, as differently, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> as diversely, as diversely. Uh -huh. Yeah, thank you, as possible. <laughs> uh, so this year, you know, we, right now we're doing Sweeney Todd, which is. Um, a lovely little happy John lighthearted cannibalism <laughs> and <laughs> serial this killers. This is the first time you've had a two-story set, if I'm not mistaken. Well, we've like we, legitimately two stories. You've had elevated. It's the best we've done. How's that? <laughs> we <laughs> we two stories. We have had two stories before, but this is the most successful version of that because of um, some of our challenges in our space. Like I said, something you don't think about when you're creating a theater in a room that 
isn't meant to be one is how how tall are these ceilings yeah. and mm. how you really can't go very tall because if a person is six feet mm. then they hit their head um, the yes but we've we've learned and uh, we've we've pulled off some pretty amazing things in that little room including a, a swimming pool we yeah. did we once built in an, a giant pool with uh, 3,500 gallons of water in the middle of the room um, and we didn't tell people then, but it leaked thoroughly. Yeah. <laughs> and I had you would have never known though, piles that... of buckets under there mm-hmm. collecting water and um, uh, interesting challenges when you build an indoor pool. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that when you and I first walked that space and we were like, this is a church fellowship hall, and we saw the size and what it was, it's almost, you know, like a detriment. And now I think there's a lot of beauty to that. Like the people, the thing I hear so much about what you've created is that it's intimate and people feel like they get to know each other and they, they're so close to the actors. And I think what t- was a detriment is now the part of the beauty of what, what Steve Arts theater is. Yeah. It's really interesting because before I started here, I was directing kind of all over the place, usually in larger spaces. And when I think about now, maybe going back to, to working in larger spaces, and, and I have a little bit here and there, um, we, we got a grant to do a, a show in a 2,000 seat theater. What was really interesting is um, I don't like it <laughs> anymore, whereas that used to be the dream, right? You want to direct for a giant space, but uh, there is something really special about sitting 15 feet from the actors and really seeing their facial expressions. And now I'm I'm so spoiled when I go to see shows, you know, on Broadway or um, it, even at Dr. Phillips Center. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I have to be in the first ten rows; otherwise, mm-hmm. I can't. <laughs> I right. can't really enjoy the experience. I don't want to be in the back. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there's so much that you miss just on the faces and the emotions and the body language, and so much of the story you miss if you're more than ten, fifteen rows away from it. Yeah, and it's taught me to. It's taught me to care more about details that. Well, once upon a time, I didn't care about, um, especially scenically or uh, things with lighting and the technical elements that um, I used to not have the time or the resources to uh, put much value in. Now we we spend most of our time thinking about, okay, what can the what can the audience really see? What do they really notice? And you just mentioned the grant um, that you got to write an original work that was in a 2000 seat theater. Um, Talk a little bit about that work and it recently going to New York. Yeah, so uh, it was through Dr. Phillips Charities and United United Arts um, gave some money to Osceola County Schools to bring, and actually it wasn't originally to bring an original show. They wanted me to produce a pre-written published work and but they wanted something that specifically spoke to their students there. And um, as I started to look at the shows that were available, I thought, well, there isn't really something that speaks directly to those mm. students. Mm. So um, stupidly, I offered <laughs> to write to, one. To write one. Um, and then that became its own challenge and satisfying their eighth grade curriculum. And um, I uh, settled on a couple of historical figures and wrote a, wrote a new show, a new musical, which is um the second time i've ever done something like that um with a couple of collaborators along the way uh caesar de la rosa and jason bailey um jason bailey really took over this most recent um production when we took it to new york i applied for the new york musical festival which is like this phantom (laughs) festival you hear about growing up 
um, that I never would have imagined I'd include I'd be included on uh, the list of mm. musicals. Um, and we, uh, long story short, or long story long, I guess, um, we took it to this year's festival in July and performed my little my little musical for eighth graders <laughs> in an off Broadway theater in New York at the Signature Theater, which was pretty amazing. It's awesome. It is cool, and everybody everybody's so proud of it because it's like this perfect example of of what a community can do if they think big, right? You had this visionary from Oslo County School System who wanted to bring in something special. You had a funder who saw that potential. You had a, a, an arts organization who got behind it. Then you had a brilliant creative local talent who said, I'm taking the challenge. And then it ended up off Broadway in New York. It's like, it's a good example of anything, like anything can happen mm-hmm. if, you know, mm-hmm. with, with the right people behind it. But it's awesome. Tell us why Sweeney Todd. Why should people come see this? You've got two weekends left. Well, um, first of all, if they want to see it, they better get their tickets quickly because they yeah, are. It's awesome. They're becoming sparse, which is awesome. Sparse, 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 sparse. Mm-hmm. Either one's fine. Spare or sparse <laughs> I'm together. Together, becomes sparse. Yep. <laughs> I, I pronounce words how I want. Good, good um, for you. Thank you. I'm empowered. Um, <laughs> it, uh, so it, it's. I, I'll say. Uh, depending on the kinds of show that people like, I will say, um, independent of, of that, it is one of our most artistically ambitious and I venture to say successful mm-hmm. productions we've had. Um, a tech, just tech, technically alone, it's a huge set. I'm really proud of it. You walk into the space and you feel like you're in another world. It almost feels like something out of a theme park. Mm. Um, and then just the, the performers, the performances are truly out of this world. Um, I've been talking a lot on my social media about, um, specific actors, but my, honestly, my favorite part of the production is the ensemble. Um, Mm. a lot of productions of Sweeney Todd, there is a big ensemble, but you don't see them very much. And in this production, they kind of never leave the stage and they're kind of this Greek chorus esque. Does that have something to do with the space limitations? Um, there literally is. Yeah, I don't stage. have anywhere to put them. <laughs> yeah, if so they're you not just on keep stage. them on stage. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's block you then. <laughs> yeah, the the ensemble is incredible. There's one particular Allie Kay who I just adore, but she came up to me afterwards. She's like, "I saw you wa- keep watching me, and it made me. I was like, I couldn't take my eyes off oh, you. You were, you were cool. incredible. You were, you know. And so, a lot of times with the community, you're not always, but because of the resources and the time and all that. Like the talent's really great, but the the lighting might mm. be suffering, or the costumes right. aren't on par, or the set is mediocre. And Donald, you just knocked it out of the park with this show. Every single piece of it, every single element is like above, you know, above the bar with quality and excellence. Cool. And you've really created something special with this show. It's awesome. Thanks. You can get you, tickets. Yeah, there there are a few left for next Not weekend. Many, though. Yeah, um, very genuinely, we have like. 30 seats left this weekend and um, selling well next weekend. We have a performance on Halloween, which I think will be fun. Um, but it's a great production. I wouldn't say it's for the whole family, but <laughs> I guess depending on your family, it may be. Yeah. Right. yeah. So you, uh, you've told us a little bit about what the theater is all about, what you're doing right now. What are some things that you're dreaming about or would love to do in the future, whether that's a month from now or two years from now? My biggest priority um personally and professionally is to focus more on some new works and to my own and other people's. Um, 
I that's that's one that's mm. my number one. I also want to focus on, and I I always have. I'm really proud of this, but on on a female voice in the theater that I feel like is lacking in a lot of places. Um, I try my best to hire female directors. Uh, something I want to look at is female centered um, work and also female written work. Um, those are probably my two biggest priorities. Um, the new works, I think, I think those two things are totally tied with one another. Um, and uh, yeah, cool. And you have a new work coming up in the season that is awesome. Tell us about that. Yeah, I very selfishly programmed <laughs> my uh, a new musical that I wrote with um, my collaborator Jason Bailey, and um, it's called From Here. We debuted a shorter version of it at the Orlando Fringe Festival last year. And I um, use I kind of use the fringe as an excuse to write something new. Um, gives me a deadline, and now I'm writing a longer version. Um, not too much longer. I want I want it to be like a 90 minute as opposed to the 55 minute that it was. It's uh, really moving already. Yeah, so it'd it be cool to see that fleshed Thanks. out. Yeah, and we're, and we're working on a partnership with One Orlando Alliance, and really being able to elevate the work that's happening in our LGBTQ community. And so it's gonna be it's gonna be a great show. What's the dates on that? That is February to March. February to March. Yeah. Okay, cool. Four weekends. So go check out all the exciting things that are happening at the CFC Arts Theater. You can get tickets at cfcarts.com. Sweeney Tide only has a few left, so go say hello to Donald and uh, support all the wonderful work that's happening in that community theater. Thanks for joining us, Donald. Thank you. Cole, we're going to be back for one more segment to talk about outreach programs and talking to Lee and Kaylee Ann from the CFC Arts team. Join us back here on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Welcome back to From the Heart on Magic 107.7 FM. I am Cole Neesmith sitting in for Mary Thompson Hunt. Yes, and I'm Joshua Vickery. Thanks for the point. <laughs> and here we are back with some uh, members of your staff, Joshua, yeah. from Central Florida Community Arts from Outreach and Programs. And we're going to talk about some of the vast number of programs that you all are doing. I know that you do things with all age groups from the youngest of children all the way up to people in the latter stages of their life who are walking through things like dementia and you work with people with special needs. And so we have some of that team here in the studio with us now to talk yes. about some of that programming. Yeah. That, and that was a good way of saying that, Cole. I, I'm super excited about this show because in almost four years of doing this TV and radio with Mary, we've never really highlighted the work of CFC Arts. Um, and we are doing some incredible things. And these three ladies are amazing. I wish that you could get to know them beyond their voices that you're going to hear. But they work with youth and they work they work with at-risk youth. And they work with seniors and they work with varying abilities in different populations. And the mojo of CFC Arts in the day is to make the arts accessible to everyone. No matter what your family looks like, that they'll be able to come to CFC Arts and, and, and experience the arts. And so uh, Kaylee Ann has been with our company and our organization a little over five years. She just celebrated anniversary with balloons and cupcakes and everything. <laughs> yes. But Kaylee Ann um, has done multiple roles with us. But, you know, she is one of the most passionate people that I know. And she loves her work oh, and she loves the nice. people that she serves. 
She has an empathetic heart, um, <laughs> which makes her a great person to think about mm. the resources and the curriculum and how we're going to reach each one of these people groups. Um, so, Kaylian, tell us a little bit about what you do and, uh, and, and where you really focus your time and energy. Sure. So um, I'm the Associate Director of Education and Outreach with CFC Arts. And so my main mission is to make the types of programs we bring out into the community really accessible for all different types of populations. Uh, the thing I work most with is our arts and wellness uh, um, kind of uh, group <laughs> within our School of the Arts. And that is where we take an arts experience to any group that has a cognitive and or physical disability or disease. Uh, we have a huge variety of programs that we take to all demographics, but it's how can we make every group shine and be successful in the arts? What adaptations can we put into the curriculum? Um, what types of things can we do to make them rise to the occasion? And one of our teaching artists here is Wendy, and she works with the group at SECO. And so, Wendy, can you tell us a little bit about working with that particular group? Sure. Um, SECO stands for Conductive Education Center of Orlando, and um, they mainly work with uh, CP kids, cerebral palsy kids. Um, I go in there on Thursdays to give them something a little bit different. They do an amazing job. The kids are one-on-one -on -one with either a teaching assistant or a conductor or a teacher, so the staff there is incredible with how they can work with these kids, and now they have an adult program as well. They also work with Parkinson's in the summertime. They have programs for anybody with Parkinson's dealing with that. But um, on Thursdays, I have the awesome opportunity to take music into the kids, um, even though they're not all kids. Like, they're my kids. Um, <laughs> but just to see how they... You have kids all over this community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. do. I do. Yeah. Um, so at SECO, it's just special because to to see, it's taken me, th I've been there three years, and to see what different music works with the different kids within SECO. Mm -hmm. So I always have to, each classroom, I go to six classrooms on Thursday and do a half hour program with each one. And I will on Wednesday nights try to find some way to find one little thing or other that will mm. work with the kids. Yeah, which is one of the things that I love most about Wendy because our, our whole mission is how do we reach every student that's in uh, all these different kind of classroom situations because they're, they're not normal classroom situations. Sometimes we're working at like Quest Training Center, which is um, kind of a, an alternative style uh, school for folks that are out of the school system. So they're, they're 22 or older. Some of them are in their 50s and 60s, but they do have some type of cognitive and or physical disability, but they want to give back to the community. Mm -hmm. They want to feel productive. So how can we come alongside their staff and bring the arts in a way that can really help them become even fuller individuals? One of my favorite programs that we do is a group called Upbeat, and that's one of our CFC Arts programs, which is uh, predominantly a musical theater troupe with students with uh, Down syndrome. And it's a blast because we normally, how we start a project like that is you take a base script. Uh, this season we're doing a Christmas Carol, so there's lots of different versions of that show. Uh, but after you get to know the kids, and there's about 16 kids in that group, you learn who's nonverbal, who, who has really good speaking skills, who can sing, who has some inner ear problems, who has great physicality, but you know they wouldn't be as terribly um, understood if they had any type of speaking part. 
And then you get to rewrite the script and add a, um, adapt it to the kids in the group and making sure that they are successful and their parents get to watch them do what they are best at on stage. Isn't that is like amazing. the greatest strength of a teaching artist? <laughs> it's so neat. In some of these situations is that you walk into whatever the classroom may look like and it is all about, well, you might not be able to do this, but you can do this, right? Yeah. Like that's your job is to find how you can elevate them and use the arts to encourage them, right? And we have done that at SECO with um, Christmas shows with them as well, mm. where we oh. know what the kids can say, the verbal kids and the nonverbal. So. You should tell them how you use the, uh, the tools for the nonverbal kids. The wheelchair um, recording devices. We, um, when we do shows with Seco, for instance, yes. we write them lines and then their conductors or their teachers or their aides um, record their lines into their wheelchairs so that the um, students can press a button or if they need assistance with that, a conductor can facilitate that. And then their lines are said by their wheelchairs, uh, which is really cool. Or they That's have so cool. a, a little pod that mm -hmm. they pass to the kids and they hit the button. They know it's and their it time the to speak and they hit the button. That's so yeah. cool. Kaylee, what are some other types of partnerships that CFC Arts does w around arts and wellness? Sure. Oh, my goodness. There's probably about, I want to say like 35, 40 different partnerships and it's just growing and, and counting. Uh, one of my favorite ones, we work with Lighthouse, which is for adults and children with visual impairments. We do all kinds of uh, career building. So how can we make them feel more comfortable uh, in a interview situation? But we use the creative dramatic arts as tools for that. So improv and um, basically feeling, feeling different spaces, uh, which is all part of acting. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that we get to do is Musical Minds, our Musical Minds Choir for um, mid-stages of Alzheimer's and dementia. We have two different sections of that. We also do a variety of different sing-along style offerings with all kinds of groups throughout town, uh, like Bishop Grady Villas, which is an independent living facility for adults with cognitive disabilities. Uh, we also do that with Easter Seals. Uh, we have another version of that happening um, I know we're thinking about doing that with uh, Seniors First and some other mm -hmm. senior partners in the area. Uh, outside of all of these things, um, what are gosh? Oh, we do Quest oh, on Fridays. That's right. I, yeah, <laughs> I do. I work with autistic kids. More Quest on Fridays, and those it's awesome. Yeah, whether it's Parkinson's or cancer support or motor disabilities or Down syndrome, you know, you're really trying to create an opportunity for every population in the community, and that's. That's hard, right? But I think part of the success of what you guys are doing is the partnership model, the being able to integrate programs. We're not saying, hey, we're the experts on all these Absolutely things. Come not. to us. <laughs> we're working alongside the experts yeah. and, and really in a, in a collaboration, creating curriculum that's customized uh, for that population and then working alongside them to implement it. And I think that's so beautiful. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things about any new partnership that we have is I don't come in with the idea of what I intend on bringing to that group. It really begins with talking to the teachers that are already teaching the population and figuring out where the group's strengths and weaknesses lie and then how can we use the arts as a tool 
to help farther whatever that, you know, the education mission might be. Like one of my favorite examples was Lighthouse. When we first started the program there, they had no clue what they wanted to do. Their group was like, we want drama, but we're not quite sure what that really meant. And then for a while, they did a whole bunch of uh, visual art kind of lessons. And bear with me. I know it seems like we took a a turn. The reason was is because drama, when you think about acting, that takes a lot of self-confidence. And when you don't have... Uh, vision or you lost your vision but knew what it was like to have vision it's really hard to have that that confidence in in yourself so how could we take it away from the individual and bring about the idea of drama and what we did was visual arts first so we took objects and had them rearrange objects and then write essentially uh, about what they thought the perspective of the object was. So if you can think about ha- someone having like building blocks in the shape of a triangle, a sphere, um, and then talk about, well, what does the triangle see? What does the sphere see? Um, how do you think y- the shapes are arranged on the paper in front of you? And um, they got to talk about perspectives. They got to talk about feelings. And next thing you know, this intro activity led into them actually doing some verbal like creative writing, which then led into storytelling, which then in turn led to drama and then turned into like a career readiness program where they're doing improv. Like, and so sometimes you amazing. just have to throw the lesson plan out, out the, the window, window and say, time. where is this going? <laughs> <laughs> well, that happens a lot. I'm sure, Leah, with you in the yeah. work that you do. I mean, you're you're our director of education. And mm-hmm. so you have your hands in all of these I amazing do. programs. But our, the CFC Art School of Arts, which was reimagined in 2018 to really be this mm-hmm. virtual school and that was opportunities and arts experiences for a lifetime mm-hmm. and we're about to be in five counties currently really saturated right. in three but going to have our a little bit of dabbling in five counties you focus a lot on at-risk youth and Correct. there's so yes. many opportunities about that and taking it out into the community tell us what you're doing what kind of work you're 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 focused on right now yeah absolutely um so one thing that i love about my job at cfc arts as director of education and outreach is that i um have the ability oftentimes with you joshua uh <laughs> to to assess all the time what people groups are not being reached in orlando in central florida in the five county area um and so yes arts and wellness is a huge part of that uh but as kaylee mentioned it's very popular right now. You know, people mm-hmm. are starting to know that we're doing arts and wellness programs. We've received some grants. We have some great partnerships with Advent Health and other organizations. So people are coming to us and saying, you know, can you bring the arts to our population? And of course, Kaylee and our wonderful teaching artists like Wendy take such wonderful care to um, to create programs where that are ability focused rather than disability focused. Right. Mm-hmm. As we've mentioned, you know, what can they do rather than what can't they do? Um so I'm always assessing those things. But but one thing, um, one area, as you mentioned, I'm really passionate about is at-risk youth and, and youth that don't have the ability or opportunity um, to take part in arts programs. And we might think, oh, they're being served through their school or, oh, they have um, we have scholarships. You know, of course, they can take advantage of that. Well, that's not always true. Mm. Uh, their parents may not have a car. Uh, their parents may work three jobs and not, you know, if they have a vehicle, they're taking that vehicle to and from work. Um, you know, they they may have um, they may, they may have a job themselves. Are yes, that's true. They may be in foster in care. Mm-hmm. Or, they may yeah. be live in a group home. They may have just aged out of foster care and be you know completely new to the adult world and trying to navigate that. So their mind isn't on how do I grow as a person. Their mind is on how do I survive day to day. Um, so I am always assessing which of those at risk populations, both youth and adults, but I, I have a huge passion for kids, of course, um, are not being served. So um, this season, you know, that in our 
education since we've revamped and revitalized our school of the arts, um, I've been looking at, is it enough? You know, is what we're doing enough? Is, Mm. is the scholarship amounts of money that we're giving away enough? You might say giving away $25,000 a year in scholarship money is enough and we're doing our part, but it's not. I mean, Mm. there, there are kids that we're not reaching. So how do we go into neighborhood centers, community centers, title one schools, group living facilities, um, you know, facilities for kids who, as I mentioned, have recently aged out of foster care and are trying to start their careers. How do we go into those places so they don't have to come to us and maybe they they really can't avail themselves of those scholarships? How do we do that? So when I started at CFC Arts, we did some of those programs. Um, I've tried to grow them. I've tried to, to find areas where we're not reaching. But one thing that I have loved, and Wendy has walked alongside me with this as well, has been growing our outreach summer camps. Mm. Um, so we have done, uh, I don't know how many we were doing when I started, maybe two or three? We did. We were doing <laughs> about good. six. Yeah, I saw two, I know, when I came the first year. We were doing five or six um, camps out in the community, out in um, Sanford, Goldsboro, and downtown Orlando. So we've grown those. We did um, 13 this past year, um, including one that was for children um who were displaced by Hurricane Maria, who came to the Orlando area. Um, so we came to them. We go out to their community centers. It, in the case of the Bithlow community, we go to their school, which serves almost as a community center for those families. And we provide them with, A, something productive to do um, during the summer that's cost-free, B, something they don't have to drive to, and C, something that grows them as a person. Um, that's amazing. So, yeah, I, I'm very passionate about reaching all those communities, and, and that's what we've been trying to do since last August. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe we have to stop already. We just got started. So, Wendy and Kaylee and Leah, first, thank you for the work that you do. But promise me you'll come back and let's continue this conversation. (laughs) The idea of arts and public health, social determinants, all of those things. We need to dive deeper into that because it's Mm -hmm. an important conversation. And you three, I think, are local experts on it. So, Cole, it's (laughs) been a pleasure. Thank you for talking about CFC Arts with me. Go see Sweeney Todd. Check out the holiday show and learn more about the outreach of CFC Arts at www.cfcarts.com. We'll see you next week on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart.